Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. This is JC. Well, we are on a summer sabbatical. Every year around this time, we like to take a few weeks off from our weekly recording. Uh, Life just gets really busy during the summer for all of us between speaking at camps and conferences and retreats, uh, family vacations, church events. There's so much going on during the summer. And so we take a slight pause during the summer for a little summer sabbatical, Uh, but we're not going anywhere. In fact, when we come back in August, we have got some incredible uh, interviews and conversations lined up. We're going to be taking this summer, actually, and preparing for some of those conversations that are coming in August. You're going to want to be sure to stay tuned to that. But this summer, what we're going to do is take a look back. Uh, We are uh, almost to 200 episodes, and we've had some incredible conversations over the last few years. And so this summer, we're going to take a look back at some of the conversations that got us to where we are today. It's a trip down memory lane. We're going to hit the old paths of the RFP, if you will. (laughs) I can't wait for that. A couple things I do want to make you aware of. You can go to our website right now, recoveringfundamentalist.org. Go on the Israel trip with us. If you're a pastor, we'd love for you to be part of this trip January 24th through February the 3rd. It's only $2,800 to go with us, uh, give or take a few dollars there. But you can find all of the information at recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the Israel tab and go with us to the Holy Land. Also, we're real excited coming up the first weekend in November. That's November 3rd and 4th in Danville, Virginia. It is our second annual For the Sake of the Gospel Conference. And this year is going to be just as great as last year was. Go ahead and make plans. We'll have more information coming on that uh, when we come back in August. All right. Hey, thanks for being here with us on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We'll be back live in August. Until then, enjoy this trip down memory lane with some of our favorite episodes of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Hey, we have a brand new sponsor that is going live today on the website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. You can go there and click on Free Life Soap. They are now sponsoring the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. What's some of the stuff they have, guys? They have great beard oil. It smells so good. Amazing. They have shaving products. Badger hair brushes with that shaving product. Yes, and shaving butter made with coconut butter. It's good stuff. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you need to look them up because it's amazing. You can go to freelifesoapco.com. That's freelifesoapco.com. And they have soap, and it smells incredible. They've got cherry pipe tobacco, Santa Monica Pier, Cuban cigar, tobacco leaf. Um, black leather. Black leather. Man, mm. it is some good stuff. They sell products like hats and books and stuff. Go check them out. Go to the recoveringfundamentalist.org. You can click on their link there and buy it. You can put in RFP, which is our code, and get 15% off your product today. It's freelifesoap.co. And uh, check that out, all right? starts in three.
You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, man. Two. You have lost your mind. Long tongue heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy. Put on a pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. We're your hosts, JC, Nathan, and Brian, and all three of us are sitting in the J Radio Studios live. Brian is in Chattanooga from Danville, Virginia. It's good to see your face. Oh man, it's awesome to be here. Even being in this room and just, I guess just feeling the energy of us being here recording live. It's awesome. Oh, it's next level. And we've had a whole day of it. I mean, we've been to restaurants, we've been to parks, we've blown Chattanooga up. This has been Amazing. Brian, welcome to the South. Man, it's awesome. I, I live in the South. Man, I live in the country. Are you kidding? Look, we brush our teeth with cornbread toothpaste. Amen. Cornbread tooth. Ooh. Do you really? No, but you oh, believed okay. it. <laughs> I was really wondering. Hey, so we heard uh, one of our first sponsors, Free Life Soap. They're coming on. I'm real excited about them. I've been using their beard oil for a long time. Like it's been keeping my chin curtain nice and shiny for mm-hmm. a while. And if you got a bald head, you can rub it on your bald head too cuz that beard oil tastes re- or smells really good. It Doesn't taste. Amazing taste. Too, I've never yeah. tasted hey, it. You can try it. But I've got a <laughs> confession, okay? Okay. I haven't used it yet. Have you not? No. And I'm so excited about I have some. I've already got it, but I haven't used it yet. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm just going to say this. I took the bag and I set it down on the bed. My wife walked by it, and she stopped and picked it up, and she said, wow, this smells incredible. It's really good stuff, and if you don't like it, just... Like that lump that are bumping. I had to do it. Hey, we are coming to you live from the J Radio studios. All three of us sitting here live in person. J Radio, uh, they've been sponsoring the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast for a long time now, and we love them. You can find them at jradio.com. You can go on to iTunes or Google Play Music or on your Android, whatever you use for Android. What do you use for Android to download stuff? I know nothing about Android. I think that would be Google Play. Is it Google Play? I think it is. Yeah, I have no idea. Or what Spotify. Android. Oh, yeah, that may be what it is there. I have no idea what they use on. And we do need to say something for people who have used the Google Podcast app. We we may have a glitch on there. We've had a couple of episodes that may not be going to Google Podcast. So if you're in that case, I apologize. And I know some people that have been going to the website to listen to it yeah. or on another platform, SoundCloud. Well, here's what we did. We switched to SoundCloud a few episodes back because we are, the numbers for this podcast is blowing our minds. I mean, 400,000 downloads, we're approaching that very quickly. What, 14, 15 episodes in with a couple of RFP extras. And we wanted to, we we say we want to be above reproach in every area. And, you know, we wanted some certified numbers, not just evangelistically speaking. Uh, JC, Nathan, (laughs) Brian, man, 400,000. Yeah, right. So we wanted to be certified. And, you know, that way we switched over to SoundCloud. And just in the three episodes that we've switched over to SoundCloud, it's like 11,000 downloads. So that's three episodes. You do the math on 13, 14 of them. We're we're bumping up with some pretty good numbers there. It's amazing, but my mind's rolling right now because I'm coming up with a conspiracy theory about Google. Because mm. that's all we ever see in the news, right? Google's always up to something. So maybe they fear all the fundamentalists we're setting free. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. We've gotten their attention. I like we a have. good conspiracy theory every once in a while. I mean, come yeah. on. Me too. I mean, Google knows who we are now. 
That's kind of scary. Google knows everything. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Yeah, Google, uh, Google yeah. knows everything. That's true. They know how many times you've typed in Higher Grounds Podcast, Nathan, and this. <laughs> and listening to some sermons, man. Come on. Speaking of Higher Grounds Podcast, we got quite a bit of response from those response episodes and uh, even been having some conversations with the guys themselves. And, uh, hey, we might have something coming in the future with those. It's pretty cool. Mm. I love Sounds it. Teaser alert. Teaser teaser. Hey, I'm excited about today's episode. You know, we, uh, we're catching up from Mother's Day, catching up from Father's Day this past weekend. And I don't know about y'all, but I always, Father's Day was just kind of another day when I was growing up. I mean, love my dad, but you know, we always went to summer camp on Father's Day and dad always complained, why are we leaving on Father's Day to go to summer camp? And I, now I'm a dad and I realized, man, that's a pretty important that's your day. gift. Yeah, it really is. Like I didn't get any <laughs> gifts this year, but I got a hallmark full of handwritten cards and horribly spelled handwriting letters, They're but the I best. love them. I hang oh, them up. Yeah. I've got a hall of fame in my closet that I just tape them up and uh, there's pictures on top of pictures. My younger daughters are 13 and 11 and they still make cards for me and it they're amazing i love them yeah i love it this year's card from the girls um doodle wrote in the card and then she said sorry this wasn't great mama made me write this as soon as i woke up that's hilarious (laughs) i read this this week it said at four years old my daddy can do anything at seven years old my dad knows a lot a whole lot at eight my father doesn't quite know everything he's not that smart at 12 oh well father doesn't really know everything at 14 father's hopelessly old-fashioned man he doesn't know anything at 21 <laughs> oh that man is out of date what did you expect at 25 he knows a little bit about it but not much at 30 must find out what dad thinks about it at 35 a little patience let's get dad's meeting first at 50 what would dad have thought about it at 60? My dad knew literally everything. And at 65, mm. I wish I could talk it over with my dad once more. Wow. That's powerful wow. That right is there. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the older we get, the wiser our parents yeah. become. I, I think our kids don't realize we've lived where they're living. They, they've not lived where we're living. Yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes they don't realize that we were young once. You know, I heard about a parent recently they, they really got upset because their, their child were, was asking them about what it was like to be on the ark, you know, when <laughs> Noah was there. It's yeah. like, are you kidding me? Yeah. How old do you think I am? <laughs> a few years ago, I was twice the age of my son. Yeah. And I remember kind of having this discussion with him, and I looked at him. I said, think about yourself half of your lifetime ago. And he was kind of doing the math, and I was like, do you think you know a little bit more than you did then? He was like, yeah. I was like, okay. Just remember that. Just leave that with you. All right. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder if he got the message. I think he got the message. That's great. It's crazy how much they're watching, though. Yeah. Like, in, in picking up on it. I got I got challenged this week and a little guilt-ridden, if you will. I got an email, and it just kind of said, you know, there's words that fathers need to live by, like a challenge there. They said, you know, do you come in after a long day of work with stress and like the pressures of the day and it's really easy to collapse on the couch and exhaustion and just check out for the rest of the night. And sometimes the sheer emotion and physical exhaustion from a long day can be overwhelming. We're all Mm -hmm. three pastors. We feel that. You've got three or four people sitting in your office and you're just physically, emotionally, spiritually drained. Totally. And then it asked this question. It said, but do you remember where your kids, uh, do you remember when you were your kid's age? Mm. Like, well, I, I remember that. How you long for your parent to come home from work how you look forward to taking their hand and pull them towards whatever exciting thing you did that day just to show them, uh, how you watched the clock with anticipation, your little heart excited knowing that they would be home in less than an hour, 
how you used to walk behind them wishing you could be like them someday. Well, your kids are doing that right now mm. today. I was like, man, that's, that's, that's difficult because I'll get home and I'm guilty of that. You know, I'll get home and sit down and take a nap on the couch or go into the bedroom and just turn the fan on. And my daughters will come in. It's time for supper. And then they go to bed after supper, you know, and I'm like, man, that, that kind of hit me right in the yeah. gut this now, week. That means a little bit more to me now than it used to, because I've got two kids in their 20s. It's hard to even say. I don't yeah. I don't even believe yeah. that. But two kids in their 20s and then a 13 and 11-year-old. And I'm realizing a lot of the things with the younger ones that I didn't know with the older ones. Mm. But it, everybody tells you it goes by so fast. And you know that's true, but you just don't realize how true that is. But uh, yeah. thankful for my kids. They're such a blessing. You know, my girls right now, the two that are still at home, 17 and then Sydney Doodle yeah. will be 20 in November. And man, they want to spend time with me even now. They want mm. to talk to me even now. And I love that. Uh, Doodle will send me a text and she'll say, you've been gone too long. Mm. It's time for you to go ahead and get home. You know, she's, she's waiting at the door even now. Yeah. And, you know, just realizing that that's not always going to last. Yeah. She's not always going to be there. And, you know, Fox News is not that important. Yeah. And whoever's texting you, it's not Your that phone. important. And, and you know. And I'm guilty of that, you know, Brian. I mean, like, we were talking about that at breakfast this morning. Like, my phone, you know, always on that, you know, a text or an email or something that comes in. And just trying to be intentional and take those times of, of sitting there. And it's hard because, I mean, my kids, my six kids are 10 years old and under, you know. And so, I mean. We've got one right now that's potty training. She's two. And, I mean, we're about done with diapers, and so we're throwing a daggum party. But it hit the other night. We're like, we've been in diapers for a decade. Like, we're about right. to never change a diaper again. Not that I'm sad about that <laughs> at all. <laughs> but it, there's a little bit of sadness. Like, it's like, okay, now we're moving on to a new phase of life, and it really does go by fast. It does, but but you'll still have reminders. You know, when we were driving from Danville, thankfully my family, they were able to come with me. Yeah, I'm telling you, my girls literally – peed at every bathroom <laughs> between Danville and Chattanooga. We know every store open with a restroom. You know you're getting desperate when you stop at the Waffle House just so somebody can go yeah. to the bathroom. And I'm the guy, I don't like to go in anywhere and just use the bathroom without buying something. So I think I probably had about 100 bucks just in bathroom usage from Danville to Chattanooga. It was crazy. That's why I travel at night. Like when we go visit Kim's family in Texas, we'll leave at like 9 o'clock. So they're all really drugged and we give them all Benadryl and Jack Daniels. I'm just kidding. We don't do that. If you're listening, do not turn me in. We don't do that. Um, but we'll drive all night long. And this last trip, I put on some podcasts that I was listening to. Not the RFP because I'd already listened to all of them, but uh, some other really good ones. But if you're traveling, listen to the RFP. Um, and we left uh, Van Alstine, Texas. It was a 13-hour trip. They woke up three times. One of those times was to eat breakfast, and we'd made it all the way back. It was incredible. I wow. like driving at night. I'm dead tired the next day, but it's nice. I well, prefer it as well. Yeah, well, the other night, you know, when we were headed here, um, and we had, we were on about our, you know, 45th bathroom stop, <laughs> one of the girls from the back seat said, well, if you don't like stopping at bathrooms all the time, bias depends when we're traveling. <laughs> you should do that. Yeah, like, on the way on home. On the way home, just buy them all depends. Here you go, girls. <laughs> I didn't think of that. I will. That's great. So 
what y'all do this Father's Day weekend? We we didn't do a lot because we've got a student pastor candidate in at the church, and so Sunday I was hanging out with them, but we got to hang out with the kids that night and sit on the couch and watch some TV. So that's exciting for us. Nate, you did something pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite Father's Day presents ever. I prefer trips and yeah. to do things rather than just mm. get a gift. And I got a really cool golf shirt, really nice golf shirt. But uh, my family took me rafting. On Saturday, Ooh. all my kids were there. My wife went. We had two separate rafts. And what body uh, of water? We went down the Hawassi oh. in. I don't like that. Reliance, Tennessee. You there really like banjos doing that? playing in the background. It was awesome. I loved it. It's about an hour and a half, two hour trip. Yeah. And a whole lot of paddling. We were trying to. You can just like drift and float and spin. We paddled it, tried to fight, keep it straight. We took it as a challenge. Went over a couple falls, got caught on some rocks. It was it was fun. It was exciting. I had a blast. We got to the end of it, jumped off of a railroad trestle about Ooh. 30 feet above the water. I mean, my son did that. My little yeah. girls wanted to, but I wouldn't <laughs> let them. But that was a whole lot of fun. Then we went to the Flip-Flop Burger. That's really and, good. Oh, man, I've had that loved before. it. Yes, they've got live music out there, burgers. It was it was amazing. You know what's not fun is going down that same body of water in an inner tube. Ooh. Four and a half hours Ooh. in 57-degree water. <laughs> so I've got a question. I've it never done horrible. that. I've seen people doing that, but I was wondering if every time I feel the boat bottom out. That's my butt. It's... It was so bad, man. It was terrible. And then we had a guy that went with us, one of my really good friends, Chris. Tomorrow um, is his two-year anniversary that he took his life that was one of the last trips that mm. we went on and the last drop the big drop at the end he Ooh. went over it and chris was a bigger boy he went over that and got stuck oh. underneath that fall oh. and i went over and i flipped around backwards on my tube and as i dropped down all i saw was his face behind the water going help me and he like reached through the water and grabbed me and i like pulled him out it was hilarious Whoa. but we were so cold because it was raining that yes. day That's and we scary. sat in an inner tube for four and a half hours that water is freezing. Well, the good thing was you couldn't feel when you hit the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, for this Father's Day, uh, we did this incredible tour. It's called Tour La Restroom. <laughs> and we, we're back on the bathrooms. <laughs> we were in the car, headed to Chattanooga, stopping at every bathroom. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, Tour La Restroom. Tour La Restroom. Yes, that's what it. we did. That's great. Well, let, let's do this. Since we've, we've kind of been thinking about Father's Day, about parenting, about this whole topic of family matters, kind of what, what's God laying on your heart like around this topic? Because all three of us are pastors, all three of us are dads. What's God been teaching you around this, this subject of fathering, of parenting, of family? Wait a minute. Are you saying we're going to focus on the family? Shout out. You know, <laughs> family matters. Yes. Shout out. <laughs> We're two for two. What's another one? Well, you know, I don't know. That's just talk easy. straight from your heart. That's, Here we go. <laughs> that's easy when you're JC and you have a full house. Oh. Wow. Ba-doom. Amen right there. <laughs> so, Brian, why don't you start us? What's, what's God been teaching you around this topic of family, of parenting, of family matters? Well, you know, the first thing I will say is valuing family. Um, we were talking a few moments ago about how busy we often are and how, I guess, just how negligent we are in in really considering the fact that we only have moments. I mean, stop and think about this. James said, life is a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So if the entirety of our life is summed up as a vapor, you know, that 
fog that rises from the ground mm -hmm. in the morning, and then as quickly as the sun comes out, it disappears. I mean, that's life. You know, by the time you feel like the sun is really shining on life, it's it's mm -hmm. over. If all of life would be summed up as a vapor, think about what our parenting time would be summed up as. Mm. I mean, it's just it's a blink and mm. it's over. As a matter of fact, I was talking to someone recently that had a little infant baby. And um, I told them, I said, blink three times and you're sitting at a graduation. Yeah. Blink again and they're married. Hmm. You know, on the way up, our family's really affectionate and I'm thankful for that. And in talking about valuing family, our 23-year-old daughter and her husband, they were riding in a separate vehicle and, and Marley was riding with them and, and Doodle was riding with Denise and I. And our, our oldest daughter had the idea of each of us recording messages about how much we love one another and what we love best about one another. And we were sending those messages mm. back and forth. Mm. And there were some tearful moments as, you know, one of my daughters got emotional when she was talking about how much she loved me and what I meant to her. And, and just hearing all of that, I guess in real time, as they were talking from their hearts about what they loved most about Denise and I. Mm. It just reminded me, family is so valuable. It's a treasure that God gives us the privilege of stewarding for just a little while. And I think the initial thing that I would say in this conversation is make sure you value your family. Yeah. They are truly mm. a priceless treasure. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I would truly have to say that Family is one of God's greatest gifts mm. to us. And so many things that God gave us, he didn't have to give us. You know, for example, taste. He didn't have to give us different tastes. I'm glad he did. That's just icing on top of the cake, yeah. literally. Yeah. He didn't have to give us colors. He didn't have to give us different textures, different types of trees, different breeds of animals. God is a very, very creative God, and he loves to give good gifts. And as I think about all the amazing gifts God has given us and all the things we take for granted, I believe family is definitely at the top of that list. Other than the salvation that Jesus bought for us, our families are the greatest gift God could ever give us. And the love we have for our families is what should really drive everything we do. We're commanded to love God with all our hearts, that's the first and the greatest commandments, mm -hmm. and then to love our neighbor as ourself. I can't think of anyone who is a closer neighbor than our wife yeah. and our yes. children. And if we can't get that right, if we can't love them right, then honestly, as men in ministry, as neighbors to other creations of God, image-bearing creatures of God, what do we have to offer this world if we're not willing to love and invest in our family. And if I had to choose one top reason of why I walked away from the fundamentalist background that I was raised in, it would have to come down to this reason that I saw so many damaging effects from the ministry on families. Yeah. And I grew up in the ministry. I grew up with parents who had a full-time ministry. And I know personally now how big of a challenge that is to balance out family time. And we we were in like 24-hour ministry. We lived on the property at the boys' home. We ate all of our meals with 
tons of other people. And a big deal for our family was just having a meal by ourselves. Mm-hmm. When we had a chance to go on vacation, I remember as a kid just that being the highlight of my life, being able just to be with my family. And we would always say things like what it would be like to be a normal family. And now looking back, I'm so thankful for how I was raised and for how my parents invested in my life. But I know that it was really a struggle to balance ministry and family. And I saw so many pastors, kids, missionaries, kids that walked away from the faith because they saw dad or mom or both one way in a pulpit, one way teaching Sunday school and a totally different way at home. And if our faith is not enough to convince our own kids, our own family to follow Christ and that it's real, really who else are we going to affect? You know, I think that problem goes a long way, especially for a lot of us in ministry. I mean, I'll be honest, the first few years of of ministry, I was a a terrific pastor, if you could say that. Mm -hmm. I was a terrible husband and Mm. father. I mean, I'd have little kids at home and, you know, the church is growing and and things are going well, but I'd pass my responsibilities on to a babysitter or, you know, lead the church well, but at home, it's kind of like, oh, it's just, I'm just there, you know? And I think that problem happens at a lot of places. I was reading a story earlier today that, man, it just, it it really kind of hit home. And I I found this story years ago. It's a pastor talking and he said, I want to, I want to give you one of the most vulnerable points of my life in a story form. And he goes and he says, I remember a rainy Friday night around 10 o'clock when my daughter was five years old. My wife had left to take some teens home after a small group and that met in our house. A church elder was scheduled to pick me up and take me to a church retreat. When he arrived, my wife was not home yet. He asked me to go because people were waiting, uh, wanting me uh, for what I was needed at this camp. They were needing me there. He said, so I couldn't wait for my wife to get home. I could leave my daughter by herself for a short while. I kind of had to wager the two, and I decided I'd leave my daughter at home for just a while. We lived in the parsonage, and my wife would be right home. He said, I chose wrong, though. I gave Vanessa, my five-year-old daughter, her blankie. I put on the VCR tape of VeggieTales. I kissed her and said, Mommy will be right home. Right after I left, a thunderstorm struck. Lightning, thunder, trees moving, wind howling, sideways rain hitting the house with hell falling. My wife was stuck on the road with a fallen tree in front of our In front of our house for an hour, she couldn't get home. My daughter was home alone. And to complicate the matters, the lights went out. Instead of being held by her father and being told everything would be all right, that night she was alone in a big, empty, scary house while her father was fulfilling his ministry responsibilities. Wow. Man, I read that, and I just kind of, I got a sick feeling in my gut because how many times have I neglected family for ministry? Yeah, that reminds me. The hardest question I've ever been asked in the 29 and a half years I've been a pastor, Denise asked me the question, Brian, are you married to me Mm. or are you married to the church? Mm. And, you know, right before Adrian Rogers died, um, he wanted to spend some time with some young pastors that he believed were really going to be used by God. And he knew he had very little time left and he wanted to pour into us. And I was fortunate enough to be one of those pastors Mm that was invited to spend those days with Adrian Rogers. And so we were there, and I I confessed to Adrian Rogers that, you know, our church was growing like crazy. I was striving to be a good pastor, but I was a terrible husband. I was a terrible father at that time. And I thought he just heard me and he would pray about it, or he heard me and he forgot about it. 
the next day, Adrian Rogers with that deep voice, you know, mm. he was a very intimidating figure. He came to me and he asked me this question. He said, Brian, do you believe that Jesus is able to take care of his bride? Well, of course, the answer is yes. And so I said, yes. He said, well, then you let him take care of his wife. Wow. And you take care of yours. Wow. And when he said that, you know, it's just like a ton of bricks dropping down on my on my world. Yeah. Because I built my world around my identity as a pastor. And yet my first ministry is my family. Mm. If I if I if I succeed as a pastor and fail mm. as a family man, then I have failed. Yeah. And let's be honest, as hard as that is to do, um, I feel like I've grown a lot in this area. I've been married for 24 and a half years. But honestly, I have not arrived. I'm not even close, yeah. honestly, with, with uh, how I'm called to love my wife like Christ loves the church. How, how is that even possible? Mm. Yet we're commanded to do that, and we have the Holy Spirit living in us to enable that. But so many attacks come against us and against what we're called to do in loving our wives and in loving our children. So I don't even want to go to the place where I'm sitting here trying to give other people advice because the Holy Spirit is still working in my heart and in my life, calling me deeper into this relationship with him. And I honestly see a lot of room for growth. Sure. I think we all do. I've been reading this book called The Disciplines of a Godly Man, and it it just kind of ate my lunch the other day. It says, men, the mere fact that fatherhood has endowed you with a terrifying power in the lives of your sons and daughters because they have an innate God-given passion for you. Perhaps, men, you've experienced something like this. You've just finished a run. No, not really. I've never experienced that. But, but it says you've just finished a run. You're sitting on the porch sweating like a horse and smelling like one. And your son sits down next to you, leans against you, and says, you smell good, Daddy. The prime longing for one's father and one's daughter's heart is are naturally turned towards with a parallel longing. And it says the terrifying fact is this. We can either grace our children or damn them with, with our wounds and our words that never seem to heal. Our society is awash with millions of daughters pathetically seeking the affection of their father that he never gave them. Some of those daughters are at the sunset of their lives. There are a myriad of sons who were denied healthy same-sex relationships with their fathers and are now spending the rest of their lives in search of their sexual identity via perversions and immorality. Recent studies show that one in three children do not live with their fathers. This is where it got me. It says, men, as fathers, you have incredible power. You will have this terrible power until you die. Like it or not, in your attitude towards authority, in your attitude towards women, in your regard for God and the church, what a terrifying responsibility that is truly the power of life and death in your children. You know, I think we see God having all authority. And in the Old Testament, you know, God doing incredible acts of power, um, God parting the Red Sea and then drowning Pharaoh's army in that sea. By the way, when you see a pillar of fire lifted and then you ride toward this sea and it's parted, what in the world makes you ride into it? At that point, don't you realize <laughs> yeah. there's a greater power for these people? But we see all of these different acts of power, God raining down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. There are all these things that we could talk about with regard to the power of God. And yet 
the greatest demonstration of power, in my opinion, that God ever revealed to us was allowing Jesus Christ Mm. to sacrificially give himself on a cross without damning the entire human race to hell and saving his son. So real love is sacrifice. Real love is Jesus hanging on the cross. Real love is God so loving the world that he gave. I think we forget you know, we we have this idea that we have all this power in the home and that our voice carries all this weight and authority. And what we need to do is really be just a great authoritarian yeah. in our children's lives. No, the best thing we can ever do for our families is to lay our lives down as a sacrifice yeah. in the likeness of Jesus Christ who laid his life mm-hmm. down for us. That's good. Well, and that comes back to the whole balancing act between rules and relationship. Mm -hmm. And this can kind of sum up, I think, all of our childhoods. And, you know, all of our parents were a little bit different, but all of them were probably the same in some areas. And I can truly speak with grace into my parents' lives now and see how hard it was for them because this parenting gig is not easy. It's not even close. And so I can have a lot more grace to my parents and realize that that this was very difficult to balance the whole rules and relationship thing. And no matter which side your parents tip to, whether they tip to the side of having a really close relationship with you, but they weren't very firm and uh, didn't have tough love, or if your parents were just this hard thumb pressing down on your life and you didn't really have a relationship with them, Both of these people know that something was missing in their lives. It takes rules and it takes relationship. And it's amazing how God balances that in our lives, how he parents us, how he loves us. Yes, he's full of grace, but he's also full of truth. And he has rules that he calls us to live by, yet he has this relationship with us, and he knows that we fall short. He knows our frame. He knows that we're just dust. He knows that we're weak, and he extends grace to us, and he's patient with us, and he teaches us, and he allows the consequences of our sin to crush us at times so that we can learn and grow from that. So thinking about being a parent, it's, it's, it's really the most difficult thing I've ever done, but it's also the most worthwhile thing I believe I have ever done. And I think when you add the aspect like we have, and like a lot of our listeners do being in ministry, you know, there's that added uh, toughness, if you will, of we're trying to do the balancing act between we don't want our kids to not hate the church. And a lot of our listeners, a lot of you listening, you don't like the church because the legalism that was found in the home or the hypocrisy that would come because you would see your parents one way at church and a different way at home, and it just kind of turned you off to it. I think one of the things that shocks me, you know, I grew up in an independent fundamentalist world. Yeah. So that was my worldview. Nathan, you correct me if I'm wrong. JC, you correct me if I'm wrong. Did you ever hear the language of parents are the primary disciplers in the home? Mm-mm. No. Not I never all. heard anybody even say that. And I think that's why we've lost an entire generation mm. of teenagers who are leaving the church. It's not because sin is suddenly appealing. Sin's always been appealing. Yeah. It's not because... You know, the world suddenly has all these magic tricks to draw kids away. There's always been enticements and allurements. 
It's because parents have not been discipling their kids. And discipleship has been, you know, just take them to youth group. Just stick them in a Sunday school class. Just set them under the preacher's sermons. And a lot of parents have expected the church to disciple their kids. That was what I saw in the Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Church. And yet, that's not what Deuteronomy teaches. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 through 21, while I know these verses are God speaking to Israel, I know that God was promising them a better land and that God was going to provide that for them. I understand the context of Deuteronomy 11, and yet this passage really convicts me. The Bible says, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. It was talking about this command to love God first. That's what God was dealing with in this portion of Deuteronomy chapter 11. If we want our children to love God most, we're going to have to talk about it all the time. We're going to have to have God conversations going on all the time at the kitchen table. You know, just like the other night I said, you know, Sydney and I were up talking about Moses after midnight. <laughs> we have Jesus conversations. What we don't have is gather everybody in a circle and force them to do devotions. We, we, we made a promise that we weren't going to do that. We have Jesus conversations, God conversations, Bible conversations that are ongoing because we are the primary disciples in our children's lives. Yeah, and that's totally different than behavior modification right and yes. trying to push performance you got to do this you can't do this and yeah I know there are some restrictions and yeah I know there are some commands that we should teach our children but grace driven homes and performance driven homes are two totally different things and discipleship Amen. is a modeling I mean a disciple followed the rabbi correct yes. and it was a modeling for how the disciple was supposed to live and it wasn't just a 30-minute sermon a week, it was living with them, walking with them, camping with them, and doing ministry with them, and that's what our kids need to experience. And I'm not going to say I've always gotten this right. There have been some ups, there have been some downs. I could not possibly be more proud of my children, Mm -hmm. all of them. They're amazing. They're growing. They make mistakes. They've made some incredible decisions for their lives. And I'm trusting them into the Lord's hands mm-hmm. and trusting the Holy Spirit in their lives to lead them. But I'm proud of my kids. Yeah. But they're not perfect. No. And guess what? Neither was their dad or their mom. Yeah. So when we start talking about parenting and, and being fathers and mothers that that point our children to Jesus and disciple them in the ways of the Lord. It's, it's more than just a sermon. It's more than just teaching them verses, and I'm all for that. It's more than just taking them to a location once a week or three times a week or however many times a week. I went seven yeah. days a week, three yeah. times a day, some, sometimes at certain meetings. But uh, it's, there's so much more to it than that when it comes to discipleship. And I think a lot of that is one-on-one time. 
Yes. I mean, that's something that I got really convicted about a while back was I'm, I'm kind of discipling my kids in group settings. And I was like, you know what? We need to do this one-on-one. And so taking them and spending time with them because they're, they're, your time, T-I-M-E, is how you spell love. You know what I mean? Like that's how you show them you do that. And watching them become disciples is by spending time with them. Well, time is your greatest, most valuable resource. Yeah. It's your most limited resource. Mm-hmm. So when you give someone your time, you're giving them the most valuable thing you have, your time. And Nathan, you were talking about, you know, discipleship a few moments ago and that being, you know, someone following another person. The greatest compliment that could be given to a disciple of a rabbi in Jesus' day was the compliment they are covered with the dust of their rabbi's feet. Mm. They would follow the rabbi so closely that the dust from the rabbi's feet would eventually cover their bodies. And when someone said to a rabbi and to a follower of that rabbi, this disciple is covered in your dust, Mm. it was the greatest compliment that could be given. And so if our children are covered in our dust, what are they covered with? Mm. What are we showing them? And are we leading them in that way? I mean, nothing replaces that. I mean, all three of us are living proof that 40 sermons a week at a camp meeting don't yeah. don't accomplish a lot. It doesn't change the heart. No. And let's be honest, culture is poised hmm. and ready to fill the void if we step back from our duties oh, as man. fathers. Hello. And there's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Snapchat TikTok. Not to mention television, not to mention friends interacting in their lives. I mean, think about this. Culture. With just having a cell phone, when your kid gets a cell phone, their friends have 24-7 access to speak into yes. their lives, yeah. which, by the way, if you give anybody 24-7 access to your kids, you need to rethink that. There's a time where our kids, when they're younger, they, they get a phone for the first time, and we've had to work up some boundaries on that. And when it's bedtime, and sometimes even before that, the phones don't go into the rooms with them. And we have to think about how to disciple the kids. But think about what my life would have looked like Jeez. at 15, 16, 17 years old if my friends had 24-7 access into my life. I got in enough trouble when they only had a few hours <laughs> yeah. of access. And, you know, that's the crazy thing. Being a student pastor for 17 years, you know, looking at this, it, it starts with the parents. The re, You know, they drop their kids off and say, turn my kid into Noah, but then they're allowing them to do all of these extracurricular things. And I'm not saying become legalistic in that, but you've got to know what's going on there in your to kids' boundaries. There has to be boundaries. Yeah. And that's not being legalistic. That's your job. That's your responsibility to know what is going on in their life. And think about kids' in today's world, especially kids being raised in a fundamentalist Mm. church or youth group or family, and all they're hearing is your dresses have to be this long, your hair has to be this short, you can't listen to this type of music, and there's no heart work going on. They think there's a checklist, and the heart is really the issue, and we talked about that on the last episode, but especially when it comes to parenting, we've got to win our kids' hearts. For Christ. We have to, because think about how many people listen to this podcast who can say, man, even though I grew up with all of that stuff yeah. on me, I was 
just as bad as some of these worldly people that they were preaching about. My parents just didn't know I was doing that because we masked it with wearing the right clothes and listening to the right music when parents were around and doing that. We we were we were hiding behind the scenes doing the stuff. And that's kids that are sitting in IFB churches, going to church three times a week in youth groups and doing all this. Think about what it would be if our parents, you know, if they were to pour into our lives. And this isn't just for fundamentalist families or churches mm-hmm. or youth groups. Think about our churches. Yeah. Think about our families. It's about the heart. And they can sit in our churches with that we think maybe are more balanced or more biblical or more gospel focused. And yet if we're not vigilant and don't disciple our kids, they can fall into these traps as well. And, you know, I'm guilty of this. We're not saying this is like you do, you do, you do. This is a finger pointed back at me. It's so easy for my kids to sit down and turn on YouTube Kids and watch Hobby Kids or, you know, FGTV. And I'll come in sometimes and listen to what's on there. And I'm like, whoa, what are y'all watching? Like, you know, what is what is actually being said right now? And then listening to some of the things that my kids are talking about in the back of the seat. Like, where did y'all hear that? Oh, YouTube Kids. I'm like, my goodness, we've got to get off that. Yeah, we've had to be pretty selective about television. My kids love... The Andy Griffith Show. Oh, they yeah. love Little House on the Prairie. Oh, that's a good one. They love. I'm I'm so sorry to admit this. My daughters love Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. Oh, it's oh, terrible. My goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but guess what they're watching now? Duck Dynasty. My 13 <laughs> year old at least absolutely loves it. And Chip and Joanna Gaines, anything like that. I mean, they're just they're zoned into these things. So I think there are some good things out there. And even things like we talked about last week, that anything you watch, any media, you're going to come across something that you don't agree with or something that's not positive, and you have the opportunity to deal with that and address those issues. Well, you know, we've recently been restructuring the way we're approaching children's ministry as well as student ministry because, you know, we've had a generation or two of great pizza parties and trips to the theme parks And all of these things, and I'm not saying that some of those things aren't good, and I'm not here to throw stones at that, but we've all tried fun youth group, and it hasn't produced a culture Mm. of discipled young people who are carrying on ministry in the church. And so what we're talking about now is parent-first discipleship. Our language is parent-first saturated. That's good. And I think what happens at the church— has to be supplemental to what the parents are doing. If if your parenting model and your discipleship model is drop the kids off for two hours a week at youth group, I'm sorry, that is going to be massively insufficient. We have to invest in their lives. And I, I've shared this example before, Brian. I believe I shared it at one of your conferences years ago when we first met. I remember as a child, one of my friend's dads was big time into Apple computers. And this was back when, you know, I think before Macintosh, but Apple was a a really big deal. And uh, he he was just like a disciple of Steve Jobs. And there was this whole, you know, which computer is better. I remember at 12 years old, hearing about Apple computers for the first time. Imagine if at 12 years old, I had started investing in Apple. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> we, I could own this studio, right? It, yeah. it would be amazing. I didn't invest in Apple. I've given them a lot of my money. I've bought a lot of their products, but I did not invest in Apple. I still don't own Apple stocks, and I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I still don't. <laughs> so if I had invested, think about what the return would be now. And I don't want to get to the end of my kids' lives and look back and think, what if I had invested 
in their lives? What, what would the return be? I want to invest in their lives heavily because there is no return without investment. Denise and I the other night were having a serious conversation. It was a serious conversation. And Denise said something that I'd never heard her say before. She said, Brian, I really wish I could have a do-over. I just wish our kids could be little again. I wish we could start over again. And she just started talking through mistakes that she knows we've made as parents. And she said, I just wish I could have a do-over, but that's not possible. And so I'd like to stress as we, I'm sure, moving toward the close of this episode, make sure you live every day with your children realizing there is no do-over. You don't get a second chance. And if you don't make today count, and if you don't make the next day count, and the next day count, it's amazing how quickly that time goes by. They they grow up, and they're gone. And, you know, I want to disciple our girls in such a way that not only do they see Jesus in us, but I want them to know Jesus for themselves. Yeah. You know, I grew up, and I had the church's Jesus, and I had mom and dad's Jesus. Hmm. I had the youth group's Jesus. But it wasn't until I knew Jesus for myself that my life truly changed. Hmm. I want to I want to disciple my girls in a way that makes Jesus look appealing. Yeah. And I want to let the weight of that kind of set in on us because I feel this is a heavy moment with what you just said, Brian, that yeah, we don't get to do it over again. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to shovel more guilt and more shame onto people who are struggling to do the best they can at times. And I want to just stress the power of grace and the power of a second chance and a fresh start to start today loving your kids and discipling your kids like Jesus. And I I think about one of my heroes from Scripture, King David. What What a just incredibly powerful story from beginning all the way through when he was a shepherd as a young boy being chosen to be the next king and all the struggle and all the waiting and all of the battles that he won and then having to run from King Saul. And then finally, he's inaugurated as the new king of Israel. And that was, I think, like 15, 17 years, something like this, a very long time. And we don't really hear of a lot of mistakes that David made in his struggles. But when David becomes the king... He begins to relax. We know the story of David and Bathsheba where he makes the most horrible mistake of his life. And really that started as his heart drifting from God. He wasn't doing what God called him to do. He wasn't on the battlefield where the kings were supposed to be. He was taking it easy in the palace. And he was in a place where he did not belong. And he makes this huge, terrible decision, terrible mistake when the prophet Nathan comes to David and tells him this story, this parable, and David gets upset and Nathan says, you are the man. You're the one who did this. David's heart is broken and he repents, but it cost him. There were some consequences in his life. And the Bible says that the sword never departed from David's life. And those are very, very heavy words for me because if you watch the rest of David's life, the prominent place that you see the sword playing a part is in the lives of his children. Hmm. And 
they bear the consequences for his decisions. And I think David's victories and his successes were really shadowed by his failures as a father. And it it breaks my heart and it terrifies me. It scares me to death thinking about all the amazing ways God used him in ministry, the giants he slew, the battles he won, the just rags to riches story, just an amazing story. And yet somehow he neglected to be a father. We learned that there were cases of one of his sons raping a daughter of his, another son murdering the rapist, the son who tries to overthrow his father's kingdom, and all the things that happen in this snowball that just kind of begins to roll and begins to grow. And we see the effects in David's life. And if I have to look at my life, and think, what would I rather have, massive successes and lose my family hmm. or invest in my family and be successful as a dad and a husband and maybe don't get some of the opportunities that I've longed for and I've wanted? Hmm. And what what am I going to sacrifice? And it, it really is very sobering as a dad that someone as close to God as David hmm. didn't get it right. And yet, here I am thinking I've got this thing figured out, and really, really, I don't. We need God's help as we walk through this. And if you if you feel that way, I would say cast yourself on the mercy of God. Ask Him for forgiveness. I would say that repentance is very crucial for a dad, for a mom, and we should walk in that, and we should embrace God's grace and His mercy And be willing to share with our kids where we've blown it, where we've messed up. And be willing to model humility and patience with our kids. Because let's be honest, and that's how God parents us. Mm. He is so patient, so loving. I think of the mistakes I make over and over and over again. And God allows those things to have the consequences in my life. But there are some lines that we cross that, you know, it's real hard to come back and recover from. And I think some of them we we can't. You know, Nathan, hearing you share that, it reminds me a little while back. Uh, it was late one night and I said, come on, doodle, let's go for a drive. And, you know, along the way, although, you know, doodle is so close to me, she kind of at times test me. Um, I think it's because we're so much alike. Mm-hmm. And I took her for a drive and I pulled over and we got out of the car and I got down on my knees on the ground in front of her and I took her by the hand Hmm. and I just started crying uncontrollably and I just started going down the list. Forgive me for this. Forgive me for this. Mm -hmm. Forgive me for the time I said that. Forgive me for the time I acted that way. Forgive me for that time I lost my temper. Forgive me for that time, you know, that I I was a bad example of what a loving dad should look like. Forgive me for the times I've brought stress home from the ministry Mm -hmm. and made you pay for it. And I just went down the list, and on my knees in front of her, I just wept like a baby, (laughs) apologizing to my baby when I got finished she threw her arms around me 
And she said, Daddy, you don't need to apologize. Hmm. You're the best daddy in the whole world. Hmm. I love you with all my heart. I think what you just said, Nathan, learning to live in repentance to our children. Hmm. You know, the reason the reason Absalom tried to overthrow David's throne was bitterness with regard to the way David handled the situation with Amnon and Tamar. He refused to step up and be a dad. David didn't do anything about it. And Absalom lost respect Mm. for his dad to the point that he was willing to overthrow his dad's throne and see his dad's kingdom collapse, Mm. all because he lost respect for his dad. And so here's what we know. The Bible says in 1 John, when we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. I believe we see that God-like love in our children Mm. when we humble ourselves before them and we say the words, I was wrong. It was my fault. I should have never acted like that. You know, being brought up in in an independent fundamentalist home, I got whippings that I shouldn't have gotten. Sure. My dad since apologized for it, but let's be honest, in in the fundamentalist pulpit, the cure for your children was whatever it is, beat it out of them. Yeah. Spare not the rod. Yeah, you you're not yeah. whipping them hard enough. You're not whipping them often enough. I even heard a clip recently of a a pastor saying, you know, they don't have a disorder. Yeah. All of these disorders, all of that's made up. They just need a good whipping. And they really need a good loving. Yeah. And I think that's up to us, honestly, to change the narrative. As dads, we, we hold that power right there. Yeah. And, you know, I pulled my kids aside the, a, a while back and just every one of them and just got down on their level. You know, hearing you say that, Brian, it reminded me, I mean, got down there and just got the serious. We, we joke around a lot. We play around. I did not grow up in a very affectionate home. Like, a hug, you know, is, is very rare. You know, I mean, being told you are loved by dad was very rare. Mom said it all the time, but like my wife will kiss my kids and every once in a while she kiss them on the lips. I'm like, that is so freaking weird. You got to stop doing that. You know, cause it's just, I don't think I've ever kissed my mom or dad like on the cheek. I mean, you know, it's just not something that we did, but there's so much power that just getting on their level. And I looked at my kids, especially my daughters, and one of my sons who's very soft, just said, hey, do you know why I love you? And I practice this often. I just get on the knees, look them in the face, say, I love you because you're a great kid who has a big heart and just kind of do, you know, attributes that I see I see in you kind of conversations. And, and two of my girls and one boy, Butters, um, just break down in tears. And, I mean, you just see it well up in their eyes, and they're just like, you're pouring life into them in that moment. You're not preaching at them. You're not, like, giving them Bible verses and t- telling them, like, pontificating on esoteric theories. But they're hearing dad's heart, you know, they're hearing the parents' heart that you really do love them and care about them. And that's something that, I mean, honestly, growing up, I wished I had, you know. One of the favorite things, JC, that you do that Nathan and I know about and that we had the chance one time to participate in was every night you sing to your kids this old gospel song, His Mm. Eye is on the Sparrow, every night. And we had the chance to sing that along with you one night to the kids. And and getting, Nathan, I think I can speak for you too, getting to live that moment with you, Mm. I've got to be honest, (laughs) 
in that moment, I kind of felt like a papa mm-hmm. because here are these little kids. I don't have those anymore. Yeah. And, you know, their eyes are glued on the phone as we were singing to them. Yeah. You know, that was really special. They won't go to sleep at night without that song. And I've changed the words up. You know, it's why should I feel discouraged for Jesus is my comfort or whatever the words are. But I add their names into it. Sissy, Tink, Little Red instead of his eyes on the sparrow. And it just personalizes it to them. But they will not go to sleep without hearing that song. And it's almost to the point where they'll call me. It doesn't matter if we're getting ready to record a podcast or not. And we've almost got a, one of those teddy bears that has the recording in it. Cause I'm like, Hey, (laughs) we can just play that, you know, but that's, that's those things, those little things that I think we can do as dads, as parents is finding ways to let them know how we do love them. And it's not because of what they have to do to earn our love. I mean, God is a good father. That's who he is. We're his kids. We don't have to earn his love. Those are my kids. They're going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. There's going to be times where they're going to let me down. But nothing they can do is going to make me love them any less because they're my kids. And I think some of us, we need to remind ourselves that God's a good God and we're his kids. That's who he is. That's who we are. And we got to remind ourselves of that over and over again. And that's good wisdom. Yeah. And as I look back on my life, there are a lot of things. You're right, Brian. There are a lot of things that I wish I could do over, but there's also a million beautiful moments that I would not trade anything for. There are some things that I did right. And I believe in giving honor where honor is due. And as I look at you two men, I want to tell you guys from the bottom of my heart that I have so much respect for both of you because I've watched you father. I've watched you parent. I've watched you love your wives. And a lot of people may be listening and they don't know us. They've never met us. But I know that you guys value your primary ministry. And this Mm -hmm. is what we really need to wrap this up with. Your primary ministry as a man, as a father is your ministry to your family. Amen. And if you don't do that, I'm not saying you're perfect, but if you're not doing that well and striving well in that, you have no business ministering to anyone else. And JC, I've seen so many things in your life, like the story Brian just shared of just how you love your kids, how humble you are with them, how real and transparent you are with them. And I just honor you for that. And Brian, I got the opportunity to watch and witness a beautiful moment today. One of your daughter's favorite pair of shoes got messed up. And man, you just sprung into action and just showed love to your daughter. Like you literally dropped everything for about an hour and a half to take care of the situation. Hmm. And that's not a small thing in her life. It's not a small thing to God. And it's not a small thing to me as a man who wants to surround myself with men of God. And I'm not talking about someone that delivers a great sermon. I'm talking about someone who lives out their faith when nobody else is watching behind the scenes. And I can't tell you how many times I've been standing in the pulpit and preaching and make eye contact with my wife or with one of my kids. And the realization comes back that if I can't be honest and mm. preach to them from a position of integrity that they know yeah. I'm not perfect, but they know I'm real. <laughs> yeah. And there have been times where I was embarrassed about what I was saying because yeah. I knew I wasn't living it. And my wife at times would just be like, hmm, okay, <laughs> tell me a little bit about this. Take those notes yeah, down. <laughs> model this. And I just make eye contact with her and it's just like, oh, okay. And she's even made comments before about 
Also, that part about loving your wife, that was real cute. You know? yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. So we've had those moments, but if you can't be a person of integrity in discipling and pastoring yeah. your wife and kids, what do you really have to offer anybody else? Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I think it'd be good if we finish this episode out, maybe by revisiting mm. His eyes on the sparrow. Yeah. I mean, maybe we maybe we could sing that. And that is one of my favorite hymns, yeah. by the way. I mean, maybe I we could. Love it. You think the listeners would want us to sing a little bit of that? We so did they get could... an email this week from somebody, and I forget who it was. I apologize, but they said we'd love to hear you sing on the podcast. So I'm glad there's at least one person <laughs> out there Listen, that likes to hear us sing. That's our legal. That's our fundamental background coming out because we we when you spur into a southern gospel song on a drop of a dime, you know you got Baptist up in you. Yeah, <laughs> I heard one guy say uh, I had a request. Uh, but I'm going to sing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to the words. or Don't listen to how I sing it. Just listen to the words. What hey, by the way, I love the people who brought like 45 songbooks. They could barely carry them up on the platform. And they would like heave them up on the pulpit. And then they'd say, we didn't come prepared to sing. <laughs> I got my mini disc here. <laughs> they got the, I used to carry that zipper case full of soundtracks and be yeah. like, I, do, I really don't know what to sing. There's 20 tracks in there. Well, you remember the lady who always kept soundtracks in her purse? Oh, that, yeah. And the pastor would be up, uh, Beth, did you bring a song tonight? Do Man. you have something? Well, I don't know, Pastor. I hadn't had a chance to practice. And then she, <laughs> you can hear like 30 soundtracks <laughs> rattling in her pocketbook. Yeah. We're giving our age away right there. That's hilarious. <laughs> did you have the green soundtracks with the purple on it? Oh, yeah. That's the ones that I carried all the time. That was the Praise Him soundtracks. Yes, those were good. Daywind was good, but they always lo- they had the three different with mm. the background vocals or the not. Mm-hmm. Man, soundtracks. Yep. Love it. Let's sing the song. So every night before the girls go to sleep, like, Daddy, sing the song. And so we've just been doing it, and I've got I've got three little hands holding onto my fingers, and we just go, Why should I feel discouraged? And why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely? And long for heaven and home When Jesus is my portion My constant friend is he For his eyes on sissy, tinky, and little red That's how I do it And I know he watches me I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches. So good right there. Hey, jradio.com. That's our sponsor here at the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. They got Southern Gospel. You'll probably hear that song. They've got great music like country. They got Brian's favorite folk music. Country road, take me home. Yeah. Yeah, To a place I belong. West Virginia. (laughs) Mount Mama. What? 
is it Mount, Mountain Mama? Yeah. I, so. I never do that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's awesome. JRadio.com. Go there. Find all your favorite music for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Also, our other sponsor, Free Life Soap. Go check them out at freelifesoapco.com. And, uh, man, guys, this has been a great episode. Brian, it's so good to see your face, not on Zoom, but in person. And uh, I love you guys. Love you, too. Love you, buddy. Be sweet. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.